Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Zach, I know you're here to talk about how exciting the governor's races in 2022 are going to be, but I got to tell you, man, I just watched the trailer for the new Game of Thrones show, which is coming out in 2022. Gods. Kings. And all I can say is is these governors really got some work to do if, if they want to grab my attention next year. Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. <laughs> you know, I, I think there'll probably be, hopefully, God willing, less violence in gubernatorial elections than Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, that, that is everyone's hope, I think. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, there might not be dragons, but that doesn't mean things won't get a little interesting. Zach Montalero, on why you should care a whole lot about the governor's races happening next year. Um, so I, I mentioned uh, Game of Thrones competition here, but in reality... I feel like what's really taking up most mental space for people following politics, people like you and me, is the midterms, the congressional races that could reshape the makeup of Congress next year. Do you think the governor's races you're reporting on are kind of getting short shrifted at the end of the day here? Yeah, I think, you know, governor's races have often got the short end of the stick in uh, media coverage and voters attention in the uh, resource allocation among parties. So let me make the brief case for why you shouldn't do that. Granted, this is self-centered. I cover governor races. I want you all to read my stories. I want to be back on your podcast. But a senator is one of 100, right? A member of the House is even more than that. But your governor has an incredible amount of control over policy in your state. They can veto bills. They can sign bills that will change everything from how people vote in your state to everything. Access to abortion, expanding Medicaid, um, crime and policing, you name it. Of course, those battles are going to be fought Mm -hmm. in Washington. And of course, Washington is incredibly important. But your governor is also super important. So people should pay attention to it. So you have this new story, which everybody should read. We'll we'll link to it in this episode's show notes. You have this new story that literally goes into every single gubernatorial race that'll be happening next year. 36 of them. Um, so the majority of Americans will be deciding who's in charge of their state next year. Um, that is a lot. And we're not going to be able to get to all of it on this podcast. But I wanted to ask whether there are a few, like maybe three to put you on the spot, three states, in your opinion, after reporting on them all, that kind of highlight the dynamics we're seeing play out across the nation and these gubernatorial races that are going to be happening next year. Yeah. So there's 36. Um, unfortunately, you're not going to get to talk about Hawaii. I probably won't be going out to Hawaii to report on it. Um, <laughs> but there is a couple of buckets that we can focus on. Um, I'll give you I'll give you the buckets. I'll give you examples of each buckets. And then I'll give you the three that I really want to talk about. Okay. First bucket, those safe seats, right? Arkansas may be really interesting. Sarah Huckabee Sanders may be running for governor, but it's not a swing state. It's going to stick with Republicans. Mm-hmm. That's that first bucket, safe seats. Second one are these interesting kind of seats that you don't necessarily think of with governors, where the party of the governor cuts against the general national vote of the party. And by that, I mean a Charlie Baker in Massachusetts, a Laura Kelly 
in Kansas. That's a Republican governor in a very blue Massachusetts mm-hmm. and a Democratic governor in a very red Kansas. So those are interesting. Those are always fun to watch. And those are dynamics that you typically only see on gubernatorial races. Then the third, of course, the ones that will probably get the lion's share of the money are your traditional swing states. Think about a Wisconsin, a Georgia, uh, an Arizona. Uh, those are going to get the most money, probably most attention. And that is, you know, I think probably the ones that are most interesting to to a lot of folks if you don't actually live in those states. Since you kind of dodged my question about individual states and gave some buckets and a few examples, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to pin you down here. If you had to choose one governor's race that is just like the most fascinating to watch for you where interesting politics will be on display, um, what would that be and why? Yeah, so I'll, I'll exclude my home state of New York All right. um, because it's not a competitive race, but I love New York. It's the greatest state mm. in the country. Um, <laughs> Debatable. It's got a governor's <laughs> race this year, as you might be aware of, but you know, we'll exclude that one. We'll set that one aside. Uh, I'm going to pick Georgia, mm. um, both because of the dynamics in the Republican primary and the state overall. Uh, Governor Brian Kemp, as everyone is probably aware of, uh, pres- former President Trump is no big fan of Governor Kemp. There has been a lot of ink spilled over why that is the case. That remains true. Uh, and everyone's first watching is, will he get a legitimate primary challenger backed by the former president? Uh, who, who Reminder, they are the same party. This is more or less unheard of. Um, and then on the Democratic side, will Stacey Abrams run? Everyone is hoping on it, expecting it in Georgia. And by everyone, I mean Democrats and even some Republicans to agree are, are kind of ready to, to lock horns with Stacey Abrams again. She hasn't said if she's going to run or not. Let's Let's, for the sake of argument, assume that she is. And we have a Brian Kemp, Stacey Abrams general election matchup in a state that President Joe Biden just narrowly won in, you know, the epitome of a swing state when there's a competitive Senate race going on in the state as well. Who boy, um, buckle up like that. That's really uh, a big one right there. So if I can only cover one, it's Georgia. Mm, that, is, that is pretty exciting. Who needs dragons when you got that? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about the political dynamics at play in, in states like Georgia, some of the other swing states that you mentioned where we aren't sure whether, you know, a Democrat or a Republican is ultimately going to end up in office. Because one of the interesting things I found reading your piece that that talks about, you know, all of these different states is how the past year and a half or so, the pandemic has like really laid out in stark terms how consequential governors can be and how much power they can have, especially in emergency situation. When you, you know, think about some of the governors in blue states doing things like instituting mask mandates or having widespread shutdowns, and then other governors like Florida's Ron DeSantis doing things like trying to prevent you know, school districts from having mask mandates for kids. When you think about some of these swing states, how much do you think the way governors have responded to the pandemic or say they're going to respond to the pandemic? How much do you think COVID is ultimately going to be the deciding factor in these races? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? We're still 13 months, give or take, from the gubernatorial elections Mm -hmm. and the midterms, right? So who the heck knows? What's going to happen in the next 13 months? The world could be struck by an asteroid. Uh, dinosaurs could come back. Dragons, maybe. Dragons, maybe. That's true. <laughs> I'm, be- I'm being a little facetious, right? But, you know, trying to pick out the issue this far out is always challenging. Mm-hmm. That being said, of course, of course, governance during the pandemic is going to be a big focal point. Um, you know, think about uh, Governor Whitmer in Michigan, for example. Republicans have been none too happy with her um, and-, and how she's kind of navigated through the pandemic. I think it's pretty safe to say that it will come up 
next year. And, you know, we could see the downstream effects of this, too. If we're not necessarily talking about lockdowns anymore, because God willing, next November, there are lockdowns are a bad, uncomfortable memory that we just kind of push and push aside. It could be the downstream effects. How how is the economy coming back from the pandemic? How are children readjusting to life in school after many of them, you know, didn't go to school or, or now are in school with masks or, you know, debating the efficacy of, you know, vaccine and mask mandates or what have you. So, of course, we can't predict the future, but at least part of next year will be fought on these lines. How connected do you think the outcome of these races will be to what's happening nationally? Because I mentioned at the top that there are going to be midterm elections for Congress that could, you know, totally reshape things. You could end up with Republicans in charge of the House. You could end up with Republicans um, in charge of the Senate in the future. How, how much do you think these national dynamics that could decide some of these House races that are going to be huge, how much of that is going to inform what happens in these governor's races. You know, the national environment is inescapable to a degree, right? It is a black hole. Washington is a black hole that will suck in some part of politics for every governor to some to some extent. You know, broadly, Republicans are feeling pretty confident at the at, at the congressional level mm. and Republicans who work on governor's races, you know, feel those same uh, good vibes, I guess, for lack of a better way to describe it. And, you know, President Joe Biden his popularity will guide some of these races to a degree. Again, thinking of someone like Governor Whitmer in uh, Michigan. For better or for worse, she tied herself to President Biden, uh, especially in the run-up you know, to the 2020 election. She was on the shortlist for her vice presidency. You know, generally the party out of power does well in midterms. Mm. That's true for federal races, and that will to a degree be true for uh, gubernatorial races as well. Zach Mozzolero, thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks, Jeremy. Also today, the head of the Securities and Exchange Commission is warning Congress that defaulting on the national debt could shock financial markets. During a House Financial Services Committee hearing on Tuesday, SEC Chair Gary Gensler, the top regulator overseeing Wall Street, said that failure to raise the government's borrowing limit could create uncertainty for banks, mortgages, and other loans reliant on the U.S. Treasury, unleashing significant volatility. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned that the Treasury could run out of money by October 18th. The Senate is expected to vote later this week on a House-passed bill to suspend the debt ceiling through the 2022 midterms, but Republicans are expected to block the measure. And a divided federal appeals court panel is ruling that a California state law aimed at phasing out private detention facilities in the state cannot be enforced because it's likely to unconstitutionally intrude on the federal government's power. The two-to-one decision from the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals overturns a district court ruling that upheld the 2019 California legislation, known as AB 32. Both of the judges in the majority were appointed by former President Trump. The sole Democratic appointee on the panel dissented, arguing that preventing the federal government from using private detention facilities did not amount to an unconstitutional infringement of the federal government's authority to enforce immigration policy. Today's episode included music composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to subscribe to Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and also check out some of our other shows like Playbook Deep Dive and Global Insider. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.